0: Welcome to the Off Street podcast featuring Adam Reiner and Sean Dan. Off Street contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and contains certain forward looking statements of future possibilities that, due to known and unknown risks and other uncertainties and factors, may differ materially from actual results. As such, there is no guarantee that any views and opinions expressed herein will come to pass. Off Street is presented for informational purposes and nothing contained herein should be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell any security or as an offer to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Additionally, this communication contains information. Derive from third-party sources. Although we believe these sources to be reliable, we make no representations as to their accuracy or completeness. Adam and Sean are employees of Marshall Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. For additional information about the firm, including its services and fees, send for the firm's disclosure brochure or visit advisorinfo.sec.gov.
1: All right, Sean, it is Tuesday, December 19th, 2.15 in the afternoon. Best week of the year.
0: <laughs> Bad wife. Why is
1: it the best week of the year? Christmas. No, nothing to do with Christmas. Okay. We are nearing the shortest day of the year in De- two days. December 21st? December 21st. I
0: uh, know you, you put a very big premium on sunlight. You're a sunlight guy over a weather guy.
1: Is that yes, true? love sunlight. I also like the warmth. So starting November 1st, on my scale, winter begins. <laughs> <laughs> That's absurd. And winter ends on March 1st. No rhyme or reason That's... to it. It's just my scale. I'm kind of still in fall
0: mode. I think... Winter doesn't really hit me until it's after January first. Once you pass that Christmas season and New Year's and you don't really have anything to look forward to and you know you got three
1: months of cold ahead of you. Oh yeah, it's just the barren. That's landscape. that's yeah. like
0: February, hands down
1: the worst month of the year. Easily. I know I know when the calendar flips to November you try to convince me there's still good weather ahead for Another you, month. Yeah, <laughs> but, you
0: were grasping at straws uh, yesterday. You showed up. You showed up in a short sleeve polo yesterday. It was sixty
1: degrees when I left the house.
0: <laughs> I know, but you, you, you talk about winter started seven weeks ago, and you're showing up in a polo. I don't. You know,
1: you take advantage of the nice weather <laughs> while you can. How about last week, Sean? There was a literal bull loose on the tracks in New York yes. or Newark. If if this seven week
0: winning streak for the S&P wasn't enough. We're now getting signs from live animals that stocks could go higher. We we had, as you said, Ricardo, the the live bull. Ricardo, yes. Horns and everything was running down the tracks. It could have been a great omen or a reverse indicator. <laughs> <laughs> People definitely took it and ran with it. And if we want to do the, the Ricardo indicator, we are positive since, All right. since he got loose on the track. So,
1: Maybe uh, the Ricardo indicator is something we'll have to keep track of as the months go by. (laughs) But last week, Big Fed meeting, a dovish message, which means chance of rate cuts on the horizon. So when we were discussing a name for this episode, which is when doves fly, we heard someone on Bloomberg, they said something to the effect of, doves are flying right now
0: yeah he might have even said when doves. he said
1: something to that effect right so i went out walked out to your office i said man that's a great title for the next week's episode and you had mentioned a prince song when doves cry yeah no so i said
0: (laughs) oh that's super i said that's super clever when doves fly and knowing your i guess musical knowledge i needed to confirm that you understood (laughs) (laughs) which which i did not why that was clever (laughs) and you did not to my shock and And i was like oh surely you'll know this song let me play it for you i'll play the chorus and everything nothing nothing didn't
1: register at all you were playing the song and i said oh are we at the chorus yet (laughs) the part i would know and you said yeah we're there
0: every generation (laughs) takes such pleasure in pulling out pop culture things from their era and showing it to younger people and being like you don't know this how do you not know this I feel like we're the reverse. I'm I'm showing you things from your heyday. Like, before my time,
1: music, movies, all that stuff. It's funny. We were at home over the weekend, and I asked my wife, I said, hey, did you ever hear this Prince song? And she said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Everyone's heard that Prince song. It's kind of like, who hasn't? But here we are. But
0: hey, great shout out, whoever on Bloomberg said that, When Doves Fly, very clever. I liked it. We're going to run with it, but... And you learned a new song out of it, so I did. there you go.
1: Well, I listened to it. Probably not.
0: But... <laughs> but as you said last week, big Fed meeting, maybe the most dubbish we've heard Jay in a long time, certainly in the last 12 months.
1: I took two pages of notes during that Fed meeting, during his press conference. Yeah, the, the pen was hot. Oh, Jay, yeah. Jay, Jay, Lots of sound bites.
0: Whether Jay wrote his speech or someone else wrote his speech, there are a lot of great one-liners in there that that were punchy. But market took it how it wanted to hear it, whether that was... As it was intended or not, market ripped. Fed speakers in the days after, some people tried to seem like they wanted to walk it back. Some people not so much.
1: So, I don't know. I think the market took it the right way, or at least the way I took it. Going back through the notes and the transcript, there was one phrase that Powell omitted from the press conference that I think was pretty important and had been in the 10 prior press conferences. So going back to, I think it was June or July of last year. And it was this quote that reducing inflation is likely to require a period of below potential growth and some softening of labor market conditions. And that whole sentence was just taken out. Yeah. So it implies to me, the Fed thinks they can get inflation under control without causing a
0: recession. I think that's coming into the consensus view. It is interesting, though, I what I talked about, we had Williams, the New York Fed governor, come out, basically directly contradicted what Jay said. Because Jay mentioned that they were talking about cutting rates, correct? He did. And then Williams came back and said, oh, no, we're not talking about cutting rates. It feels like they're kind of playing good cop, bad cop now, which I understand. Um, there is a little bit of a gap of... I think what the dots talked about three cuts next year versus the markets pricing in closer to five or six.
1: Yeah, we are at six right now.
0: So we're there is a little bit of a gap expectations gap there, but not worlds apart.
1: Yeah, the Powell's phrasing he didn't say rate cuts specifically. He said they discussed dialing back the amount of policy restraint in place, which Fed speak for rate, rate cuts. Yeah, rate <laughs> cuts. Right. Feel pretty confident <laughs> cleaning out of that. I don't know. Powell had several opportunities to clarify his comments during the press conference he didn't do it and it's who do you listen to do you listen to the fed speakers that are coming out now or do you listen to pow that just spoke a less than a week ago
0: i mean realistically there's one voice that matters right yes it's, it's jay powell i couldn't really care less what some of these other people have to think if, if it contradicts jay to that extent a day later like, you can't put that much stock into it, in my mind.
1: Several other quotes in there, like, rate hike is not the base case anymore. Expectation of a real late rate's decline going forward. So everything signals, like, they're done hiking. The next move is probably going to be a cut, barring anything unexpected. Yeah, no,
0: definitely. And, and as we mentioned, kind of that market bounce that we've seen, especially after the meeting and really for the last seven or eight weeks at this point, uh, total return on the S&P 500 through yesterday's close is 25.5%, if you can believe that. On the ag, just the AGG ETF, kind of as a bond market proxy, we're up to just under a
1: shade under 5%. Which is pretty crazy, right? The ag's back at 5 and money markets were pretty popular this year. People thinking they could earn more in a money market potentially than in, in bonds, and here we are. We're pretty much even right now. Yeah,
0: bonds are outrunning... Uh, money markets by just a touch at this point, and this is after bonds as recently as October on a total return basis were down three percent crazy now up almost five, so just maybe we're not we're probably in a golden age of making bond investing interesting. Right. Wouldn't you say like we have yeah. to probably go back to the 80s until bonds were like this interesting uh, to talk about and follow. But I don't um, think
1: anyone's ever wanted to talk about bonds as much as they have over the past year, which I love talking about bonds. and uh-huh. I drive you nuts <laughs> with it.
0: Yeah. No, the, I think we're probably a good yin and yang. You love like the nitty gritty of econ. You love bonds. You love to talk interest rates. Ugh. I don't, I don't <laughs> want any part of that. No part
1: of that. It takes all kinds, Sean.
0: But I don't know. The more I think about it, I think this is a period where we're going to look back on 2023 and say, how was it not obvious at the time? Like, I think three years from now, we could look back and be like, oh, duh. Like, of course, it was possible. This this time was truly different. We could get a soft landing. Stocks are going to come back. Inflation was transitory. In reality, in this past year, it didn't feel like
1: it. But I just think looking back, it's it's going to seem obvious. I mean, you could probably make the argument say it's 2030, and we're studying the post-pandemic economy. Everyone will probably say the bubble in 21 was so clear and obvious, yeah. And then the drawdown last year was was obvious, and then the recovery was obvious as well. Yeah. But that that just tends to be what happens. I'll give you my last pal quote of the day. Okay. Because he kind of touched on this a little bit in his press conference. And he said, this is the year when distortions from the pandemic unwound. I mean, do
0: you think we can, in, at least in terms of market talk in the economy, once we get inflation back to the twos, do you think we put the pandemic to bed? We're not talking about the pandemic anymore? Like, that that's it for the, the effects of the pandemic? Like, inflation's the last lingering
1: thing, and then we're on to a new cycle? It could be. I'm most interested to see, does the economy revert back to that 2010-2019 economy, where we don't have a recession, labor's pretty full, we're at full employment for the most part, rates are low, inflation's contained, or was there a structural change coming out of the pandemic? Like, I think that's what I'm most interested to see over the next few years. One of the people... Or forecasters out there. One of the forecasters out there who got 2023's mostly correct was Eddie Yardeni. Yes. I think his year end forecast was 4,800 for the SP. We're just about there. And Carl Quintanilla, uh, the journalist from CNBC, had put out a tweet this past week with Yardeni's A Dozen Reasons to Be Bullish in 2024. You want to run through some of these?
0: Yeah, I'll rattle off. I guess maybe I'll rattle a couple off to you. You just give me like agree, disagree, neutral, and then maybe we can break them down a little more after because I think we're going to – we'll see. So one, Yardini's first reason to remain bullish in 2024, interest rates are back to normal. I agree. Agree, yeah. Real yields are at 2%. Two, consumers have purchasing power. I'm neutral on this one. I would say I'm neutral too. Like yes and no. We're getting back to it, but it's not like we've crushed inflation over the past couple of years. We've pretty much been just trying to stay afloat.
1: Yes. And I would say on the true side, it's falling inflation should boost real incomes. But on the false side, consumers are buying more on credit and money supply is the kind. So there's a balance there.
0: Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd say neutral, lean, agree. Three households are wealthy and liquid, I think it's kind of the same, yeah, same vein
1: in aggregate, yes, but tends to be
0: skewed. four demand for labor is strong, true, true, absolutely five onshoring boom is boosting capital spending
1: uh t b d not
0: think. something we follow as closely, but like you said, t b d six housing is all set for recovery
1: i agree i I'd say true for this one
0: well i'm I'm a little confused on this one, like a recovery from what? Like, uh, yes, volume is down on sales, but housing prices have not really fallen.
1: It's I like think a... I think I was thinking sales is the way like I was sales. Thinking. All right. Yeah. I think if we use January as a litmus test, when rates fall, sales went up. Okay. So that's the way I was looking at it. I, I yeah, I read it as prices.
0: Like people are waiting for their home
1: price to go up. So
0: okay, if reading it in that way, I'd say agree. Seven corporate ca- corporate cash flows at a record high. Not really an argument there. I'd say, can can they maintain margins at this point? Eight, inflation is turning out to be transitory. I like to take a lot. It's one of my favorite takes. Uh, the Nine, the high-tech revolution is boosting productivity. It's the I'd, promise, right? That's I'd the AI in, promise. In,
1: in theory, yes. <laughs> we would see total factor productivity and uh, beyond the scope of the conversation. Ten,
0: leading indicators are mostly misleading.
1: TBD on this one. I, uh, LEIs have declined. If it turns out we don't have a recession, I would say agree. But if you go through LEI, we've never really seen a decline like this and not have had a recession. See, but I agree with
0: him because of that. Like, LEI has been declining for forever now. Yeah. Like, that was all the rage, I feel like, maybe, like, before this past summer. Maybe even going back to last summer. And nothing's come of it. Again, kind of those, like, is it different this time? Maybe yes, because LEI's declined, still no real signs of recession. So I, I would say I strong, pretty strongly agree with that. Not a fan of leading indicators. Eleven, the rest of the
1: world's challenges should remain contained. I'll group this with the last one. The roaring 20s will broaden the bull market. And I don't know. I think statements like this always make me uncomfortable. It's it's tough to say because, I mean, you're you're kind of messing with, like, the black swan
0: events there. Like, you're kind of guessing at things that are inherently unpredictable. If he's referring to the wars in the Middle East and Ukraine, we kind of don't know. No you, one really knows for sure. You never know.
1: Especially the Roaring Twenties comment. Very 2021-ish. Yes, and right? <laughs> I went to the story count function in Bloomberg. One the, of the most stories were written about the Roaring Twenties was in 21. So that, that one gave me pause.
0: Overall, though, I'd say, what, we probably agree with 85% of that. Probably somewhere around yeah. there. So, I mean, I I think he makes good points. We like Yardeni. I'd say for the most part, he's usually pretty, pretty optimistic yeah. on things. He's which,
1: optimistic again next year with this forecast. Yeah. We're, he,
0: he came out said 6,000, right? s 6,000? Uh, I think he said by 2025. 2025? 6,000. 6, right. At some point, we'll hit 6,000, hopefully. But in terms of those predictions, those are coming out hot and heavy at this point. Goldman Sachs has already revised up their prediction for next year. They funny what a little market rally will do for your prediction. We haven't even hit 2024. They want to change it. You know, <laughs> it's those crystal balls, Sean.
1: Very cloudy. Very, <laughs> very cloudy. These days and all days. Uh, we put that piece out on the Wealth IQ. Like, are they useful? Let's say they're in the ballpark, but they're either – estimates are either – consistently above or below where the S&P ends up over the past few years
0: yeah if you haven't seen the chart we put a chart together looking at Bloomberg Bloomberg compiles analyst forecasts looking at those forecasts the past three years the actual ending price on the S&P 500 has been completely outside either fully above or fully below every analyst estimate so it's like, how, how much can we actually trust them? Not much. And the, uh, Sam Rowe pointed out, there's kind of like a Price is Right vibe to these guesses of no one really wants to go fully out on a limb. So you get a lot of these predictions of 7 to 8%, kind of just a normal historic year. But we, we don't get normal
1: historical years year in year out. So they're usually not super close. Big fall on mortgage rates, though, over the past month, month and a half. Especially last week, after the Fed announcement, mortgage rates f- fell quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I think we're solidly under seven percent on national thirty-year fixed mortgage rates, which first time in a little while we can say that. We're especially when we're flirting with the eights. To go from the eights, an eight handle to a six handle feels very,
1: very different. I did a just a quick calculation, just taking the median household price of four hundred thousand, going with that peak rate in October to the rate today. The principal and interest payments about eleven percent lower than it was. At the end of October. Significant. Significant.
0: For most families, is that your biggest expense? Yeah, I think it would
1: work out to be 300 maybe a little more than $300 a month savings. Huge difference, yeah.
0: month in, month out. And along with mortgage rates, there was actually a – did you see the bill that was introduced in Congress that would make it – I think they're calling it a ban. It would essentially make it very hard for groups like a Blackstone or hedge funds to buy up single-family homes. Oh, this has become
1: out. very popular over the past couple of years.
0: They, It was an interesting piece that they put out. They talked about homes bought up by Blackstone-like companies, companies that have no interest in actually living in them. They solely want to hold them to rent them out to people. Brings down supply, makes housing more expensive, basically. And a couple of senators are presenting a bill that would basically tax these companies so heavily it wouldn't make sense for them to own single-family homes as investment property.
1: I wonder if there's any unintended consequences of a bill like that. Like, do you think it's just Blackstone that purchased these? Or are there larger landlords that might just own a portfolio of properties?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of the bill. And I, know, I think it's like you have to own – like landlords that own – apartment buildings and stuff like that I think are okay I think this is specifically target single-family homes and the number of homes you'd have to own to qualify for these tax penalties is is like 50 100 homes so it's a lot you'd have to be a big shop like that so I think it would be a positive like you said maybe there's unintended co- consequence that we dig up but I mean, in theory, it makes sense. In theory, it makes a lot of sense. And you can't deny that housing has got expensive. Supply is an issue these days. If this helps alleviate that at all, I'm all for it.
1: I mean, I agree. You mentioned Blackstone. Weird video that they put out the other week. Last week, maybe. I don't know. They're all running together at this point. It was their 2023 holiday video. It was very cringy. Bizarre five
0: also way too long five or six minute video with skits and musical pieces and dance pieces tried to tie it to taylor swift but not really any like super direct connection to taylor swift other than calling it like the eras tour trying to push their alternatives the
1: alternatives era sean
0: yeah feels feels like one of those things you look back on and like all right that was the peak in alternatives that was (laughs) that was our top we talked about a little bit a few episodes ago how the the environment's tougher for privates than it used to be, like private equity. like Those hurdle rates are yeah. a lot higher than they used to be. It's a video you wonder if you look back and you're like, ah, okay, that that was it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> We were at the peak. Yeah, you know, even so much now is about private credit. All that banks are lending glass. Maybe private credit's an option. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. We'll revisit this next year. I'm sure they'll do another video.
0: But also in the news last week, kind of in the same vein, Talk about a video there. There's a commercial from Bitwise who wants to release a Bitcoin ETF. So Bitcoin this year up 150% despite no one really talking about it that much. Um, Big fight for eyeballs right now for uh, if a spot ETF is approved. A lot of companies are kind of jockeying for position there. Bitwise trying to make their presence felt. They released a commercial with the most interesting man in the world. From the Doseki's commercial. Oh, really? Yes. It's a short commercial, basically the same setup as the Doseki's commercial. Most interesting man in the world says something to the effect of Bitcoin being interesting. And that's it. That's the whole thing. But it have looks like. Have you seen like, the video? Yes. It looks like the marketing wars are starting for Ugh. a Bitcoin ETF.
1: You know, one of the commercials that drove me nuts in. It must have been the beginning of 22. Was that crypto dot com or one of those? It was that LeBron James yes. crypto commercial. It ran nonstop on Bloomberg during the workday. That was the twenty twenty three Super Bowl, twenty twenty two Super Bowl? Twenty twenty two Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Oh I, I remember it oh. well. I remember it well. It drove me crazy. But yeah, just be prepared for that as we get closer to a possible uh it's not approved yet, these ETFs, but if they are, it's gonna be a lot of jockeying for for dollars basically from investors
1: should we switch to uncorrelated let's do it all right costco sells just about everything sean yes and now you can even buy gold bars
0: (laughs) yes this was this was a double take headline seeing this come across the feed from cnbc sold a hundred million dollars in one ounce gold bars last quarter costco crazy crazy stuff
1: Crazy stuff. Very high demand. These one ounce gold bars typically sell out in a few hours after they're put on Costco's website. And customers are limited to two bars per membership.
0: Not only that, the bars were listed above the spot price of gold. So you paid a premium
1: yes. to get o- gold. Over from... two
0: thousand dollars a bar. It was two thousand and sixty nine dollars and ninety nine cents, which at the time it looks like the spot price was two thousand and twenty dollars. So but a fifty dollar premium you're paying. But yeah, a lot of people buying gold from Costco. One thing that I've never gotten, I don't know if I'll ever get, is kind of the obsession with gold. It kind of seems like it's an old school, like older people are more drawn to gold. It's safer and stuff. But I don't get it. Of, of all the assets, especially a commodity that you could buy, why gold? Why gold?
1: Good question. I think it's one of those things that people can touch and hold on to, and it has some tangible value, right? I don't know if I should say this or shouldn't say this, but during one of my CFA classes, the instructor, we were talking about gold and alts and all that. He was kind of dismissive of the idea and said, the only reason you should buy gold bars is because you think one day you might need to bribe border guards. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. All right. So you speaking from experience, you think? (laughs) I I have no idea. That's just one of those stories that stuck out to me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But anyways, there you go. If you have a Costco membership and are a gold fan, Look out next quarter when the gold bar release comes.
1: This next story was interesting. Um, I think it probably impacts a lot of women. And that scientists have identified the cause of morning sickness, potentially ending the misery for many. Um, There is a hormone that they found that triggers nausea. And it's produced abundantly from the fetus. I think they had studied whether it was a body, woman's body making them sick or it was the baby and they found it's the baby
0: yeah very interesting stuff they said up to 70 percent of women experience it during the first trimester and kind of tying it back to the economic side here there's a study back in 2012 that estimated it's
1: i wrote down the same study sean
0: yeah yes about a, an economic cost of about 1.7 billion that comes from morning sickness effects, which in today's dollars is two point two billion. Exactly, two point <laughs> two billion. So, um, and they estimate women suffering from morning sickness lose twenty three days of work, um, and their spouses about three days on average. So, um, obviously, if if there's a way to to combat that, obviously, great for the mother, um, and like we said, e- economic impacts as well. If you can believe it.
1: Yes, but they said it is a. A hormone called gdf-15 which apparently isn't everyone triggers nausea and they think if they can find a way to target the receptors that there's other uses for it too outside of morning sickness for example they had mentioned alleviate nausea in patients undergoing chemotherapy so lots of lots of use cases for it so we are off next week we're not off. But we're not recording an active podcast. We will be doing our off street awards episode.
0: Yes. So we will still have a, an episode next week on the twenty seventh. Very excited for it. For those who haven't seen it, uh, we've we've put out a survey with ten categories. We're giving out ten awards next week. Um, we've opened up voting. If you're interested in voting, you can find the link on our Twitter, on our Marshall Financial LinkedIn. Um, and give us your opinions and we will break down the winners on next Wednesday's episode.
1: All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. See you then. See you then.